Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Paddle Pod, your weekly podcast covering professional paddle presented by Hugo and Gons. We're on to episode 15 now. And uh, I think uh, this is going to be a very, very special episode. Uh, as always, I'm going to present to my co-host, Hugo. Hugo, how are you doing today? I'm very well, Gons, but I think there's someone more important you should be presenting right now. Yes, uh, that was a, a mere formality, but... As I mentioned earlier, this is a very, very special episode as we've got uh, the first guest of the Paddle Pod, uh, and I'm going to leave it to you, Ignacio. How are you doing today? Hi, Hugo. Hi, Gons. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. We've been uh, reading each other for, for many times, so the pleasure is mine to be here. Thank you for the invitation. No, of course. that The pleasure is all ours. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And yeah, it's great to mark episode 15 which is obviously a big milestone for the paddle pod with a great guest appearance so yeah really look forward to today and well i think um the best way to kick off would probably be to ask you to give us a brief introduction ignacio mainly about you who you are and well basically tell us a bit more about the paddle break uh, um, well, I started uh, Paddle Break uh, three, four months ago in Twitter. The main goal at the beginning was uh, because I, I read many people in Twitter uh, giving information about the results, about the matches, how they were going. But there were few people that really spoke about the more tactical part or the part that was during the matches, how I was seeing the players, what they were doing right, what they were doing wrong. So at, at first I started in Twitter uh, with, with that idea, then the podcast idea came. Um, well, I started uh, a collaboration with Revolutus, which is also a, a media platform that is uh, growing and is starting and, and Inyo, Oscar and I are doing the, the paddle section in that way and uh, I'm also doing uh, another space in Twitter with with El Padre Sassi the Sundays at 9 p.m. and the podcast my podcast came came lady so there's many things to do but it's a pleasure because it's a thing I, I enjoy a lot so yeah that, that's the way I started and, and it's going now it's continuing could you well, I mean, maybe... sorry you go for guns uh, could you maybe give us some insight into how many listeners do you have on your podcast well, yeah, the the thing is, for me, the space in Twitter, when we do spaces in Twitter, I did one with Radar Global talking about A1 and the ones I've done with Luis. Luis obviously has around 6,000 followers, so he has more more recordings, but the, post, the podcast is, is around 110, 120 replays. Each podcast is growing a lot, especially these two, three weeks with Roma, Madrid, and yeah, and the space in, in Twitter, but it's around that. Uh, 120 followers and 120, 125 uh, listeners uh, every week. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's great, obviously. That great. is great. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, we'll get there one day ourselves, Hugo. <laughs> exactly. I, I like the way you, you work and, and the way <laughs> I had the chance to listen to the podcast a couple of weeks ago, and, and I really enjoy it. <laughs> I wanted to ask you very quickly. Do you, do you have a girlfriend or a partner? No, 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 no. Yeah, I, I can imagine. I can imagine that because with so many podcasts and uh, spaces about paddle, she would either absolutely hate you or would have yeah. to love you to bits. So and still difficult to tell to the family or friends that because uh, in the end, I don't watch every single match, but I have to. 
at least for the for the final for the podcast on Monday, I try to have watched either a live or or yeah after the the match, but try to have a really good idea of of the tournament because it's the way I I like to work and I think it's the way the correct way to to do it. So yeah, very similar to us, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe just uh, another question, which uh, Hugo both and I were wondering: Who is your favorite paddle player? I I would say that uh, Martin Dineno is the was the first person that linked me to paddle because, to be honest, I I started watching paddle. I think the first match I, during the the COVID, I I started watching a couple of of matches and. There was the the stadiums were empty. You could hear uh, what the players were saying, how they shouting, and the tactical part. But the first match that I remember was that master final in Menorca, the the, the that famous game with Martin Dineno and Maxi Sanchez against Chingoto Tello, the tiebreak. Martin was injury, and uh, yeah, that's it's the player that that first links me to Palo, and it, yeah, it's usually my favorite player. I mean, that's great to know, and given that you've answered that. And to be honest, we're both massive fans of the Neno. He's just the perfect example of a hardworking player who through hard work and dedication has made it to right to the top and probably has gone further than anyone expected. Mm. I wanted to ask you, who do you think is the best player? <laughs> who is the best player? Uh, wow, difficult one. Right now, I'll say I was thinking Tapia. If you ask me this question... Five or six months ago, I'll go for LeBron definitely. But at this moment, and taking into account that Juan is injured and still recovering, I'll say Austin Tapia without any doubt. Yeah, I mean, I think we we've both Gonz and I very much agree. We we briefly touched on the topic a few weeks ago, and we both said that they're probably the two best players on tour. I think LeBron's the most complete player that battles mm-hmm. probably seen ever, and he's managed to adapt to be able to play as well on the forehand side as he played on the backhand side, which is how, you know, the side he started on when he started playing paddle. But I think Agustin Tapia right now has just taken paddle to a different level and he's just, he's just magic, magic, isn't he? <laughs> mm. And I, I had a chance to to watch them alive because I only went, uh, my first paddle uh, alive was last year in, in Malaga. I had to the opportunity to go to that uh, quarterfinals. And the final in Madrid was the second time. And uh, yeah, I can assure that watching uh, Coelho and Tapia live is, is mad. I, it, was, it was so impressive because I've watched them yeah, on television and the rhythm they play, how aggressive they can be. It was uh, yeah, something incredible to watch. Yeah, I can imagine you could barely even see the ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it was. Yeah, moving the head from one side to another one. Yeah, every time. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Nice. So, uh, yeah, now that maybe we've got a quite a good uh, background into doing Nathia and, and the paddle break, I think it's time that maybe we go into the latest tournament that we've had. Mm-hmm. Um, Malaga has just uh, passed, and again, it was a very, very good tournament. I would say I'm going to start off by giving my shout-out to Ruiz and Tello. I think specifically... I thought that Tello's level, the whole tournament, was absolutely immense. Though I must say that today, potentially, Ruiz was a bit better. He was really solid offensively. I thought more aggressive than in the semifinals yesterday. And he also had some very good uh, drop shots. Uh, really, was it, was it was a very complete performance from him. Obviously, it was their first final. 
And I think that, yeah, they deserve massive credit because uh, they've been struggling or, or maybe they haven't reached as high as expectations of people were were sort of holding them into account. But now uh, maybe this is like something that they can build on and take it from here. Uh, what do you think, Hugo? Yeah, I completely agree. I think that's definitely the biggest highlight of the tournament. Obviously, Tapia Cuello, Don Barderos won it again, but that's no surprise. They're just the level of head of everyone else. And particularly given that the Super Bibes weren't playing this week due to Stupasuk's injury, they were just the clear favourites and they demonstrated it. But yeah, I think I read an interview, Deyo, after one of the games they played this week in Malaga, said that as of last week or this week, they've become more motivated, they're more ambitious, they're more dangerous as a pair. And, well, it could be down to Ruiz playing at home, given that he's a local from Malaga. I don't know what it's down to, but unbelievable how, they're, how they've changed and how well they played this week. And I wonder whether this could be a turning point for them to start fighting for that kind of fourth spot, which is probably the best they could really aspire to, given the level of the other pairs that are above them right now. I don't know what you thought, Ignacio. I thought that because I read the interview when, when Momo and Alex decide to change and to find new projects, and Alex uh, made a special point on their regularity and how they managed to be more consistent and to compete better each time and not moving like a roller coaster, then up, down, up, down. And uh, yeah, I think they haven't reached that main goal with, with Alex. We've seen good um, tournaments reaching semifinals. This tournament in Mala, they were uh, incredible, but they have the those past tournaments in, in Rome and Madrid. So I think I'm not sure whether this will will continue in the future or if it's just a turning point. But I think they needed the, this tournament to to find that they can be really competitive. And yeah, I read many people on Twitter saying, "Oh, Tapia and Coelho are winning in one hour, six one, six two. They're not gonna compete. They're not playing." But yeah, it was a, a great tournament, and in the end, it, it was really tight. Yeah, they were two very tight sets and it really could have at least gone to a third set very easily. I think maybe another comment as well, initially from Tejo, especially when they were going through like their, their tougher period, which he said was it was the first time he was playing with a lefty uh, on the right side. So obviously there's like some adjustment there. I think Hugo and I have discussed this many times where obviously the court coverage Tejo was probably used to with Chingoto getting mm. you know 70% of the balls, maybe 80 uh, but obviously now that split is has to be less. So uh, so yeah, maybe this is something as well that like uh, he's becoming more used to playing with Alex, more chemistry. So maybe this is something that you know with time the results we're starting to see that now. Yeah, co completely agree. And probably just to move on to the biggest upset, which we always discuss. For me, it was definitely LeBron and Galan this week. I know that. It seems obvious, but I think it's particularly significant given that they were playing Ruiz and Tejo in the semifinals. And as we've said previously, they've struggled a lot this year. This is only the first final they've made. I think Lebron's still looking rather inconsistent and less confident when playing most shots. He's not really going for smashes, which clearly means his elbow's still not fully recovered from the epicondylitis he's suffered. And, well, I think the other pairs are taking, taking this and using this to their advantage. I've realised that a lot of players and pairs that play against Lebron and Galan play most lobs to Lebron. And because he's not really using many power shots, including Bandejas and Bivora's rivals 
win the net very easily. And it seems like Lebron and Galan are always on on the back foot at the back of the court and having to defend. So I think that's that's really really killing them. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, completely. Yeah. I agree. It's not. I mean, I was. It was hard to me to to know the real point at which they are Lebron and Galan because I wrote a tweet a couple of days ago saying, "No, oh, they might." Because the the truth is, the match in Madrid was okay. That thing they were looking like they were recovered. Uh, yesterday or you know, Saturday they lose against uh, Alex uh, and and Juan. In a match that they performed well, the match that Alex and, and Teo did was brilliant. But I don't really know at which point are Lebron and Galan, whether it's they're close to winning again or going back to finals. I don't know. If you, what do you think? Are they close to to that finals, to that title, or do you see them a bit far from now? I well, personally, gosh, wanna... yeah. So I. The, the one thing with LeBron that is definitely lacking is, and you sort of alluded to it, Hugo, is the aerial threat. I think he's very much being really passive, uh, whereas before uh, his smash was one of his main attributes. And obviously LeBron is a very complete player and can play in many ways, but really what differentiated him with like many forehand side players was the ability to smash, but also be you know very complete in, in all the other ground strokes. So I think... The fact that he's not utilizing that as much, because even when he gets loved, all he does is a bandeja. He doesn't have a great viewer, I would say, so he can't put a lot of pressure uh, in that regard. So it's very much an easy bandeja for the opponents to either block it at the net and already be there or, you know, play another lob and, and essentially win the net uh, easily. So if, for example, we get a situation where the, the court is very slow, and the smash doesn't necessarily come in and play it much, then yes, I do think they're obviously they've got a very good chance in one of these matches. I can't remember. It must have been the the, the quarterfinals where LeBron turned it out, uh, turned it up, and they were losing the first set. They ended up winning the second and the third set. And and yeah, he was exactly against Bella and Yangwas, and he was incredible there, but just playing on mm-hmm. the ground very much. So I think this court was very fast. Uh, so maybe if uh, they get a tournament where, yeah, where, where the court conditions favor that sort of play, then they could easily, you know, they could easily obviously reach the final. And, um, but yeah, it's it's definitely going to be tough, I think, now as well if Stupa and, and Dineno come, come back. Yeah, I mean, I still think they're not miles away, but pretty far away. Tabiankoya's current level and even Stupandineno's mm-hmm. current level. That's my bigger worry. I think they can definitely beat any of the other pairs. On their day, they could probably still beat either Koya and Tabia if they have a bad day. Same with Stupandineno. So, yes, I think they're they're capable of making finals and potentially winning a tournament. Gonza's point about a slower court would help them a lot because Lebanon would benefit from that a lot. And, well, to be honest, who knows? I mean, Lebron is playing more and more confidently every week, and I think they're getting better and better. And I have seen him smash and play harder shots every now and then during games. So if he starts managing to do that and he, he's fully painless, I mean, they could very, very easily make it. I mean, they're making the semifinals without Lebron being able to smash and play really aggressively. So, yeah, I mean, it could be a matter of days, weeks. The problem is we don't really know the status of Lebron's mm. elbow. Yeah, yeah, because I think that he's not fully recovered, at least what I've seen. I have the feeling, I don't know, what do you think, that 
he's done a bit of risk not to lose because the the truth is that the ranking number one ranking in World Pilot Tour seems to be really difficult, especially because of the level and Tapia and Coelho. And I think that Juan decided to risk a bit not to lose that first position in the in the fifth ranking. And he risked to to be in in Rome. He risked to be in Madrid. And I don't know his, if he's fully recovered. But it's what uh, Hugo said. We haven't seen him really smash or playing that offensive game that we're used to. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. And actually, I did want to mention one other big highlight for me this this week in Malaga. And to be honest, Gonz and I we were both right in predicting that Poginier Don John Sanz would make the semi-finals. They very much did. They. Well, great performance this week in Malaga. They took Fabian Coelho to three sets once again. And they're for me, they're definitely one of the most informed pairs. And for me, right now, they could actually be the third best pair after Stupan the NNR and Coelho Tapia. I know Paquito and Chicoto are in and around that. Lebron and Galan will be and will probably be above that when Lebron's fully back from injury. But yeah, I mean just sensational level from both Pocky and John. John showing so much maturity and they just work so well together. So I'm really happy to see that. And I'm really happy to see a new pair form and be so, so successful so quickly. Yeah, I think that uh, John is probably without any doubts the play that's more grown this season. And the, the thing I like about this pair is that to be a left hand, to play in the backhand cocky is not the, the smash or the aggressive game that other players have, like Paquito, like Tapia. And the same for from John compared to Arturo Coelho, even to Pablo Lima, to Alex Ruiz. They, they don't have the like the typical characteristics or attributes for, for a couple to that play style. But the way they work, the way they don't miss, the, I'm, I'm sure that the, the level of unforced errors must be really low and is is the way they they compete and they join together in a paddle that they <laughs> were used to different things to compare to what uh, John Santa and Coquineto try to play but he gives credit to them and and results yeah massively agree i think massive fan of both of them individually and and as a pair they work super well together i just love their brand of paddle as well uh, obviously there's a lot of fans out there that really like the smashing and the por tres, the por cuatro, but it's also really refreshing to see a different style and uh, I guess a more complete paddle where you're winning on the back foot defending, uh, you know, through volleys, uh, obviously the odd smash here and there, but really constructing the point and not necessarily have, you know, winning every shot from behind the baseline as soon as you get a lob and you can smack it out the court. Uh, so yeah, it's, uh, it's great to see them work together. And yeah, as you were saying, Ignacio Johnson definitely has to be the, the most improved player this year. For sure. And well, I think it's probably time that we move on to probably the other main topic that we wanted to discuss today, which is essentially the hottest and biggest under-21 prospects in paddle. And to be honest, to kick it off... We obviously had a conversation with you, Ignacio, prior to this. And I remember you said that you essentially asked a very similar question on Twitter. And you actually had replies from a couple of big names in paddle talking about some interesting young prospects that were coming up. And I just, I wanted to basically share with the listeners kind of your findings and what paddle players and other people had said. 
Yeah, they gave me like a couple of of names, and I don't know how do you want to do it. Maybe I say the names and we compare or we can chat uh, a bit. One of the names that uh, there's been uh, really spoken about is that two young couple pair, which are uh, Andrea uh, Ustero and Alejandra Alonso, that they reached that quarterfinals in Valladolid They're from 2006 and 2007, which means uh, 16 and 17 years. And uh, they lost this tournament, I think, in the third set against uh, Delphi and Bea, but they reached the quarterfinals. They lost against Paula Nari in Valladolid. And I think they're probably in the um, in, in, in paddle the most uh, younger players, which which a huge future. That's really interesting. I mean, to be honest, I had heard more about Alejandra Alonso, you said. Mm, yeah. I had heard a bit more about her and well, watch actually watched a few highlights of her on Instagram on a reel that someone had made. That's, I mean, as niche as it gets, to be honest. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, it looks like she really is a big, big hot prospect. And to be honest, I hadn't heard about her partner, but the fact that they made it to three sets against yeah. Delphi and Bea, who are in form and potentially the most informed pair at the moment, is, is sensational. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think this is uh, a couple to have an eye on. Uh, for example, Alvaro Cepero uh, told uh, or gave the name of David Gala and Arnau Ayats. I don't know if you if you know him. We've heard about uh, David Gala and Daniel Santigosa. This, the, I think they they reached the the um, I don't know if it was uh, in Chile. I think they did a great tournament. Second, but this... yeah, second round. So round mm. of sixteen, yeah. And it's not easy, especially for for qualies people, pairs that are playing qualies. It's tough to get to the to the final round. So yeah, I think David Gala and Arnavajat can be also there. Yeah. Well, David funnily Gala... enough, sorry, go for no, it. No, you go for it, Gons. Go, go for it. I, I was I was just going to say, yeah, David Gala for me was one of the people that I wanted to to mention. Uh, as you said, he's had he's already sort of knocking on the door of the main draw of the World Paddle Tour. He had a couple of uh, yeah round of sixteens, uh, so won a couple of first rounds. Essentially, obviously made made another couple of uh, of main draw appearances, and I think he's ranked seventy six or seventy seven uh, from two thousand and six. So as well, seventeen year old. So absolutely amazing. I'm sure he's gonna yeah in the next couple of years we're gonna see him definitely more in the main draw and and reaching the the later stages of tournaments. Definitely. He has with Arturo the record for the youngest player to reach the final the final draw. So yeah, what are you gonna say, once? Well, actually, all I was uh, really wanting to mention is that you mentioned Arnau Ayats. We've actually mm. heard a lot of a lot about him. He's a top top player, and I've heard a lot of players mention his name in interviews of this sort and talking about this this topic. You know, hot, hot young prospects in paddle. But funnily enough, because he's actually twenty three. And it doesn't actually fall under what we'd uh, previously established as under 21's hot prospects. I wanted to actually mention his current partner. So Francisco Guerrero Cordero. Funnily mm -hmm. enough, he turns 20 today because I was looking at his bio yeah. on... Happy World birthday. Tour. Yeah, exactly. Happy birthday to him. Uh, as I said, he's currently playing with Arnau Ayats. Great partnership. Plays on the forehand side of the court. Just very solid players. So minimum unforced errors. Great lob, great bandeja, very fast around the court. 
And they played Lebron and Galan this week in Malaga and they struggled. I think both sets against Lebron and Galan were 6-4. So the, mm. the match That's finished good. two sets to love to Lebron and Galan. But yeah, I really liked their partnership and I thought Francisco looked really, really solid. So maybe one to look out for. I had the chance to see Fran and, and Nacho Villa that they did a training session with Sanjo Amomo in Madrid a couple of days ago before uh, Madrid and I was really surprised because I didn't have uh, looked much about him but he was a really tall player, really aggressive, good game and, and good smashes and tactically I I enjoyed the, the match and, and yeah, he was uh, an, an interesting player. Agreed. One name that I really did want to mention, and I don't want to finish the episode without mentioning, is Chothas. So he's 20 years old, so, you know, just into just in the realm we're wanting to discuss. And after a lot of success playing the A1 paddle tour and recently winning an A1 tournament in Monaco with Leoas Burger, I'm sure you both remember, he's recently started playing World Paddle Tour tournaments with Cepero, who actually you just mentioned. And if I'm not mistaken, he'd mostly been playing on the forehand side of the court in A1 because when he played with Ausburger, Ausburger was playing on the backhand, I think. Yeah. And now he's changed to play on the backhand with the pedal. So I was quite surprised about that. Yeah, that's interesting because I, I, I would uh, I would have expected the other way around given obviously World Paddle Tour is a higher level. So no, normally you might have seen that transition from left-sided or, or backhand side to, to the forehand. But yeah, sorry, Ignacio, go on. You wanted to say something? I think that uh, he played the the Rome P1 with Solano and he played on the on the left-hand side of the court. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, with Zeperos, I think he's also played because the pressure is the right place. So yeah, yeah. I don't... I haven't seen much about the A1, but it was a, a really interesting... Play the thing is A one paddle the rhythm or there's, there's not much fast so I think it will take him a couple of tournaments to get used to the way and the level they they play in World Paddle Tour or or Premier but it's it's also a, a a good name and obviously we're not forgetting but we haven't talked because they're not they have a great future but Tino Lipak and Leos Burger yeah yeah what to say about them <laughs> what to say about them I mean, just just before we delve into them. I actually wanted to say that Cepero and Chofas took Koki and John Sanz to three sets this week in Malaga, mm. which I don't know whether you'd seen, but I, I actually did. I really wanted to see that result. And yeah, great, great result and great future for Chofas. But yeah, Leo, Leo Ausburger and Dino Olivac. I mean, what to say about them? A bit disappointing this week in Malaga, maybe. What did you guys think? Uh, yeah, the thing is, it, it it took them time to to get adapted. I don't think it if the if the match was available to to see on the television. But I think we expected big things from Tino Libak and Leos Burger, and there was a doubt about uh, whether they had to continue, whether they had to separate it on that moment. I think that both players uh, have grown separately, and and we'll see in the future. Uh, apparently, they will only compete in Malaga because uh, we we'll, we we'll spoke later about what happened uh, with them in Mendoza. But I think they're not going to be in Mendoza, and uh, they, they will. I think they will have new partners uh, for the rest of the season. Yeah, it's a shame. I really wanted to see them because uh, obviously they gave us such good moments at the beginning of the season. 
but as you were mentioning, Ignacio, they've had they've developed both uh, really well. I think obviously lately it's been working out more for them, given that they've been pairing up, I would say, with more established players. Uh, obviously, Libak, I think, at the beginning of the season, especially when he first joined with Lamperti, it was a bit tough for him. Lamperti wasn't going through the best moment. Uh, but yeah, now, lately, they've been with more, I would say, solid players uh, established in the sort of top 30 and such. So, so yeah, it's, uh, let's see. It's a shame that we couldn't see them for, for much uh, this week. But yeah, hopefully, I mean, I'm sure at some point in the future, we'll see them back again. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure we will. I'm sure we will. And actually, just one, one name I did want to mention before we finish is Paul Hernandez. So he's currently sponsored by Adidas. It's a big bet on Adidas's behalf. Quite a bit of marketing around him. He's only just turned 19. And, well, another forehand player. I haven't watched him that much, I've got to be honest, but he's very fast and he seems to have that little bit of magic in his locker. And, well, I think magic really means success in battle. So hopefully he keeps going the way he has done so far. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, one thing maybe before we, we head uh, into our next like topic that I wanted to mention to you guys, because it was shocking to me, so maybe it might be shocking to you. I was checking out actually the under 18 uh, FIP rankings, uh, so essentially the junior rankings, and the top six players, or I think even top seven, there is no Spanish person in, the, in them. So I think that just tells you how paddle is evolving and, you know, maybe in, in the near future, we'll start speaking about like all these youngsters that are coming from other countries in Europe or elsewhere internationally. And I think that'll be very exciting when we start getting a, a draw and, you know, a, I guess a tournament where you, the players are just going to be from a load of different countries and just very international. So, yeah, I mean, for me, when I saw that, I was very surprised uh so yeah it was uh, it was interesting to see incredibly surprised to be honest i i actually i knew that there was some hot under 18 prospects not just from spain and argentina but yeah i'm i, I wouldn't have expected no spanish players in the top six seven that's that's great for paddle to be honest and we've spoken about how much paddle's growing globally and how much other countries are investing in paddle infrastructure and into the sport really so great to see yeah i think it's probably the next step for paddle whether it will it will make a huge difference in the future or not if it's capable or if other countries start investing in the business in the united states or in other parts of europe and they they bring up players capable to compete with everyone or to reach the final rounds in a ranking so we'll see yeah, exactly. So I guess this leads uh, nicely onto our last topic, which is the upcoming Premier Paro P1 tournament in Argentina, Mendoza. Uh, one thing which I was actually just thinking now is uh, for Agus and uh, Coelho, given that they're playing now and they have to travel all the way to Argentina um, and the jet lag and everything involved, I think uh, let's see if how they're going to be a, if they're going to be up for the tournament. I mean, I'm sure they will, but I wonder if that's going to play at all into their performance this week. Well, funnily enough, I did want to mention very something very quickly. I was I'm currently in the south of Spain, very near Malaga, just 45 minutes away in my holiday home, and we were out on the boat yesterday, and I saw Javi Garrido on the boat right next to us, and I was thinking. 
what is he doing here if he's meant to be in Argentina playing on Monday? So, yeah, we'll see how that affects players, really. I think players that have gone really far this week in Malaga and now have to travel and play Monday or Tuesday in Argentina, that could really be a handicap. So probably something to take into account, right? Yeah, I think there might be some surprises, uh, obviously, because uh, we also have to take into account that players will have holidays for the first time in the year in, in one, two weeks. So, yeah, maybe some players are thinking, well, a couple of days in Argentina and then uh, I'm going to go somewhere else to, to go for a holiday. Yeah, exactly. So maybe we can quickly touch on, I think, Ignacio, you wanted to mention the latest news around the tournament, which is obviously a bit shocking around the Libak and Ausburgel. Yeah, I think um, the problem was that Tino had a had, had booked a flight to Mendoza, but the player organization, or he has a, a problem with the, with the flight that he arrived in Mendoza after the the day he, he meant to be playing. And uh, I saw Tino in, in Instagram saying he has arrived in Mendoza, but obviously the, the tournament started uh, Monday. So I don't know if he will be able to, to play. Obviously, I think not. Well, I mean, obviously that'd be a massive shame, right? Two biggest, probably the two biggest young prospects for Argentina in him and Leo Asburger. be such a shame. And given that it's the only Premier Paddle tournament in Argentina this season, and we yeah. only have one other paddle or big paddle tournament in Argentina, which already took place, which was this year's uh, World Paddle Tour tournament, which took place early on. I think it was in February or March. Yeah, it would be a big shame. And I do hope they somehow make it, but it doesn't look great for them. Yeah, so I guess it's time maybe to go into predictions. Uh, Ignacio, just to give you a bit of a... Bit of context, uh, Hugo and I normally play this game where we try to predict from the semifinals onwards the uh, like the the results, and uh, you just need to guess the score of the sets and obviously the players. Uh, so as I normally do, I'm gonna hand it to Hugo to go for it. Okay, nice. Well, I'll kick off. I'm gonna make it. Gonna try and make it quick. So I think the first semifinal will be Lebron and Galan. I think they'll make it. I think I'm betting on them. And I think they'll play Goya and Tapia. I think it's stupid not to bet on the best player of the season. So I think that'll be first semi-final. And I think the second semi-final will probably be Paquito and Chingoto. Because I think even though they were unlucky this week, I think they will make it. And I think they will probably edge Ruiz and Tello in the quarterfinals, given that probably fatigue will play a part, particularly given that Ruiz and Tello have had to play today. And so I think they will play Stupa and Dineno. Funnily enough, Stupa and Dineno are in the draw, finally. Stupa looks back from his injury. I think he's fully recovered. So I think those will be the two semifinals. I think the outcome of the first semifinal will be two sets to love, the Tapia Goya against Lebron Galan. And I think it'll actually be two sets to one to Stupa and Dineno against Paquito and Chingoto. And I see the final going just one way. Two sets to love, Goya Tapia. Ignacio? What do you think? Uh, I don't. Do you have the? Well, uh, if you if you uh, Gons can go first because I'm trying to find again the 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 final draw. So I'll do it in a moment. No worries. Uh, yeah, I'll go for it very quickly. Okay. Yeah, go. Oh, yeah. Good. I think I'm gonna go with uh, 
similar semifinals to to Hugo. Uh, obviously, first Coelho Tapia against Lebron Angalan. I do think that Lebron Angalan will make the semifinals, and they've also said many times that they're very focused on Premier Paro. But I do think that Coelho and Tapia will win two sets to love. And then in the other semifinals as well, I do think Stupandinen obviously going to to make it, and Paquito and Chingoto. I think uh, Stupa and uh, Dinen are going to edge it two sets to one. And then in the final, I'm actually going to go with Stupa and Dineno two sets to love. Well, uh-huh. <laughs> I'm going to make a bit uh difference because I'm going to go for the first semifinal. I think uh, I'll go for Momo and Sanjo against Tapian Cuello because I think that uh, it's, it's winter in, in Argentina, so I think that the court can suit better to what Momo and Sanjo can play. And we've seen Momo and Sanjo in that same conditions like uh, in Bruselas, where the court was really slow to, to play. And on the other side, I'm going to go for Chingoto and Navarro and Stupa and Dineno. I think that uh, Austin Tapia Arturo Cuello would play the final against uh, Martin and Stupa. And uh, I'll go for Arturo and I was staying in three sets, two one. Okay, so Gons, you've gone rogue and you've gone for the Super Pibes against the Bombarderos. Yeah, what I just you... think so. I think uh, Ignacio really threw me off with his comment around the uh, the players thinking about their holidays. So uh, what I really thought there was like, yeah, maybe Tapia and Koya are just going to be thinking about their holidays. They've come back from a bad week and. You know, it's uh, Stupa and and Dineno, both Argentinians. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> that's basically it. Funnily enough, I was very close to leaving Stupa and Dineno out of the semifinals because they would probably play Koki and John Sant in the quarterfinals, and that could go anyway. Mm. But yeah, it's probably time to say goodbye, right? Indeed, Ignacio, it's been an absolute pleasure. Love this episode, and uh, hopefully, you have many more to come. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, guys. The, the pleasure is mine, and I'm sure that there will be more and more episodes with you. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you very much, Ignacio. Have a great week, guys. Pleasure.